Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. Well, it's an absolute honour and a privilege to be able to share the word, break the word with you, break bread with you and sharing the word. And just like to say a special thank you to Pastor Tony and Patsy for having me. Thank you for your love, your faith and your trust. It's a privilege. Pastor Tony um, had asked me to bring a message and I sought the Lord on it. And the Lord kept bringing a certain topic to me. I'm a big fan of the topic of spirit-led, hearing from God and the Holy Spirit. That changes anyone's life. And I remember one of my mentors in the faith said, I believed as a young teen that if I could hear the voice of God, I have it made. I'm set for life, in other words, because I've committed in my heart, I'm going to do what God tells me to do. And he's only going to be looking after me, protecting me, blessing me. And he said, all these years now, I'm more sure ever to never. And I took serious what he had said, and I made that personal for myself. And I said to myself, I want to be able to hear God's voice. I want to be able to talk to him, hear him, and follow through with things that he tells me. And I can say the exact same thing. If you learn to follow the voice of God, you're set for life. God will tell you what to do, when to do it, how to do it who to do it with, and he sees the end from the beginning. He knows what's going to take place before it happens. And if you're able to listen to God, he will warn you of things to come. He'll show you of steps to take before it happens to get you in the perfect position so when that calamity hits, that financial collapse happens, you're on a different path of protection to the rest of the world or even believers that don't listen to him. Hearing the voice of God is just so important. So as I was saying, I really wanted and I had on my heart to share spirit-led with you all today. But the Lord put this on my heart. He said, I want you to share with them spirit-led sowing. Sowing by my Holy Spirit. And we're going to get into that. I'm very excited about it. It is this area has radically transformed my wife and I's life and it is so exciting to be able to live with a supernatural God who can do supernatural things in your finances, in things you're believing for, hoping for and he can do things, hear me out, that don't require you to work super hard to get. We don't have to go the way of the world, which they don't have God. They don't have the Holy Spirit. They don't have God foreseeing things and telling them things to do, to prepare, to avoid. They don't have that privilege, but we as believers do. And let me tell you, God does not play favorites with anyone. What he does for one, he'll do for another. What he does for a great minister out there, he can do for you. The question is, are you willing to be able to live the word out as that great minister's teaching or will you do it your way? Going back to the arm of the flesh, strength of the flesh, that is the only option you have in life to make it or to be a success, to be prosperous, to be well off if you want to do things without God. And as a Christian, you can do things by the arm of the flesh. 
But let me tell you, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of effort. It's a lot of sweat. It's a lot of blood and tears. And you will like hurt yourself. You'll put your body through things. You'll put your mind through things that you do not need to if you had done it God's way. God's way is not easy. But if you do it his way, it, it, it makes the blessing, the result, very easy compared to arm of the flesh. Let me, let me say it like this. Working with arm of the flesh, strength of the flesh, is you grit your teeth and you say, I'm going to make a living. I'm going to make myself rich. I'm going to be the top of my business. I'm going to have, you know, the best of whatever it is you're hoping for. Cars, plants, clothes, whatever it is. And I'm going to do it my way or the highway. I am going to stay up late. I'm going to spend lots of time on it. I'm going to invest. And you can acquire those things. You can be the best in your business by doing this. Really what's happening is, you're operating through God's principles, but you've taken God out of the equation. You see, why are celebrities so famous, so rich, so wealthy? Why are there atheist billionaires and millionaires that are so rich? Is God blessing them? Or could it be that it's not God blessing them, but they're doing things God's way, but taking God out of the picture, and because they're doing things God's way, it works, because the Bible always works. You see, the Bible talks about if you have faith and diligence, you'll stand before kings, you'll get rich. And that's how these celebrities and billionaires and millionaires and rich CEO um, people have lots of money and wealth. They have diligence, they work hard at it, they work hard at it, but they also have faith, but not in God. They have faith in themselves. You see, it's misplaced faith. Their faith should be in God, but instead they put the faith in themselves. I'm the best. I'm going to be on top. I'm going to do things my way. And because they got faith and diligence, they become rich. But the sad thing is, when they stand before God at the end of their time, they can't really say, you know, I was there with you. I was following, with, following you, listening to you. They won't have anything to show for it. And all their wealth and riches, if it wasn't spent on the things of God, it would have been a waste before the eyes of God. Now, you see, God's way, as I said, it's easy, but it's also hard. It's easy because you don't have to sweat. You don't have to, you know, wring your hands wondering how you're going to get it done. You don't have to stay up late and just torment yourself with how you're going to make it. You have to hear from God. You have to trust him and you have to obey him. That's very hard for our flesh. Our flesh doesn't like to do that. For example, let's just say I wanted to get something let's say it's a lawnmower or something like that. It's very expensive. I want it. It's, it's a very good one. I want it to cut my grass very quick. The one I have is not very nice. I can work really hard and earn lots of money so that I'm able to afford the thing. Or if I'm hearing from God, God may deal with me. Hey, Benny, don't worry so much about the lawnmower. Trust me. Focus on my things. Put me first in your finances. So when you get paid, Give the tithe. When I direct you, sow money. And you see, um, he may have me serve at church. You know, um, I remember in a previous season, my wife and I, we were working, very busy, but the Lord had dealt with us both to serve at church. And we were serving at youth. And it wasn't just the Friday night we were preparing for. Also throughout the week, we had like a, um, 
a gathering with certain youth where we, I guess, taught them a few more extra things. So there was also preparation for that. And that kept us busy. I mean, you know, Wednesday, we're preparing for that, sharing in the evening. Friday comes, we got youth, got to preach, share a sermon, preach a sermon, clean up, stay late, you know, sleep in a little bit on Saturday, wake up, and then we got church, serving uh, Pastor Patsy and Tony, helping them out, assisting them, you know, first service, second service. And, you know, it's taken up time, but God has dealt with my wife and I to do this. So we do it with a cheerful attitude. And you see, when you're involved with the things of God and you're busy with the things of God, it's just amazing how God can bring the things to you. This is based off the principle, Matthew 6.33, where Jesus said, Seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, which is an old English word. Don't let that throw you. It just means rightness. So God's rightness, things that are right. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. It will just be added to you. What are the things you may ask? If you look in that chapter, it talks about people saying, you know, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What clothes shall we wear? In other words, it is all the cares of this world, temptations that put us into a place of worry or fear if we yield to the temptation. How am I going to get my bills paid? Oh, the rent's coming up. Oh, I forgot my phone bill. Oh, no, my car blew out a tire. Now I've got to get a new tire. That's going to be more money. So you're worried about it, you see. But the Lord tells us to seek first his things and all the other things will be added to you. So it's more than just clothing, drinks, food. It's like the day-to-day things that you may worry about. God tells us how to do it. We seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everything else gets sorted. So that's just a bit of intro. I didn't have any of that really written, but let's just go to my text scripture. <laughs> Acts 4, 32 to 35. Now what had happened here was a lot had taken place in the book of Acts to get up to Acts 4. Jesus had died on the cross. The disciples had seen him and he went um, up to heaven. He sent the Holy Spirit down on, in Acts um, 2 and there were 120 in the upper room, as you know. They were baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. And it caused quite an upstir in the region. And people came to them and thought that they were drunk. And Peter actually had to stand up and address the crowd and say, these guys aren't drunk. Simply what's happening is this has been prophesied before by the prophet Joel. And he said, in the last days, the Holy Spirit will come upon all flesh and they will prophesy. Young men will dream dreams. Old men will see visions. Maybe it's the other way around. But he... he, Let them know that they weren't drunk. The Holy Spirit coming upon them was something prophesied. And he talked about how they crucified the Lord Jesus, an innocent man, killed him unjustly on a cross. And this was also spoken about by the prophet David, King David. And the people, when they heard it, it says that they were cut to the heart. They they were so convicted. They were like, we did what? We killed Jesus, the son of God? Uh Uh-oh, we're in trouble. What should we do? And Peter says to them, repent, change your way of thinking, and you can be saved. They did that, and it says in Acts 2.41 that 2,000 people were born again. They became the church. In Acts 3, Peter and John 
go to the um, temple as they usually do. And there's a man there lame at the gate, beautiful. They heal this man in the name of Jesus. And this man who could not walk, who was lame from birth, was praising and shouting and giving glory to God. And it caused such an upstir that the religious leaders of that place arrested Peter and John. They couldn't really convict them. They told them, hey, stop preaching Jesus. We don't like that. And then release them. Now, this is what brings us up to Acts 4. Now, when the lame man was healed, that also caused a mega upstir, and 3,000 people were added to the church. So we got 2,000 born again, and now 3,000 born again, and here we are in Acts 4, 32. Now, the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they all Oh, but they had all things in common, and with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them. If we continue, it says, Nor was there anyone among them who lacked, for all who were possessors of lands, not just land, lands or houses in the plural. So they didn't just have a house and then they sold it, they had houses. So that's pretty good. Sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet and they distributed to each as anyone had need. So I just want you to get this picture. All the believers were in one heart and in one mind, another translation says. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who own land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone who had need. This, I believe, is a picture of where we could possibly be heading in the end times. We are the most end times it's ever gotten. Compared to, like the Bible was written a long time ago and it speaks of the end times. Well, it's like Jesus still has not come back yet. And the scriptures do say there are people who will mock that, and they have been throughout the centuries. They said, since the world began, you know, this coming of the Lord hasn't happened. And it says they're scoffers and mockers, and they'll swallow their words when the Lord actually does come. And they're like, well, we were wrong. But it just says that there are the end days, the last days, and this is the closest we've ever gotten. As Pastor Tony mentioned, in the time coming up ahead, 2022, 2023, things may possibly get darker. But the good news is, even though things may get dark, I don't care how dark it gets, if the light all gets nearly stuffed out, God never fails his people, ever, ever. In the Old Testament, you see this. In the New Testament, you see this. And where his church, he cares about us so much. He's made a way for us. And he has ways that if we line up or align ourselves with his ways and agree with his ways, we can be blessed where things are falling apart elsewhere. We can be protected when calamity is hitting. I mean, physically, but also financially as well. You can be super blessed in the most, in like the worst time of the year. You know, where jobs are collapsing, people are firing you. I mean, God has his ways. The biggest question is, are we listening to what he says? 
And are we willing to do what he tells us to do? So notice this miracle here in Acts 4. 5,000 believers and not a single one of them needy, not a single one of them wanting anything. And you got some people here in Acts 4 that are so generous they're giving, they're selling their land, they're selling their houses, and they're putting it towards the work of the Lord because that is the most important thing to them. Lord, may we be able to see these days in our time where the church can be so generous and so caring about your things that we're willing to give up things, things that you have given to us, but we're able to give them as you direct us to. And I mean 5,000 people, not a single one of them lacking, and people being so generous, they're giving away their houses, they're giving away their lands, taking the money and giving it to the work of the Lord. This is where I hope I'll be able to see these days. If not, my my children will see these days. Point number one in spirit-led sowing. It's God's will that you prosper in life and do well. God does not want you broke. Now, it's not a sin to be broke or poor. It's just mighty inconvenient, I heard a minister say. You know, it's just, it's hard to make it. You can serve God with no money. You can serve God poor. Please don't misunderstand me. You can serve God while you're in debt. It's just mighty inconvenient. And there is a mentality going around where some people say, oh, I don't want to be rich. I don't want to be wealthy. All I care about is me, my wife, and my kids, my two kids, and my dog and my parrot are looked after. Just us four, no more. But that mentality is wrong because it's selfish. All you're thinking about is yourself. And so long yourself and yours are good, you don't care about anyone else. But that's not the mentality a Christian should have. A Christian should be able to think bigger than just themselves and be like, Lord, if you prosper me, that means I can bless others. I can have extra, so if you tell me to give, I got it. So I believe that is why there's such a uh, attack on, I guess, what's called the prosperity message. And I'm not saying it's a good thing to just covet money, desire money, want money, and be so hungry and fixated on money. And I mean, if you mention God in that, when you have a heart like that, that just gives me chills. I don't like that. I never will like that, ever. It's an insult to the real thing. So on one, on one side of the coin, you got some people who are obsessed with money, and that's, that's wrong. That should never, ever be right, ever. God's always first. Money is seen as a tool, and God is always first. That's it. End of story. Money should never have a hold of us, never have a hold of our heart. God should be the only one in that place, and money should be seen the way it is. It's just a tool, and it can come, it can go. I can serve God with nothing. If God tells me, give away your car, give away your house, give away your fancy clothes, I could do it, and I can still serve and love God. So God wants you rich, and the devil wants you broke. That's a phrase the Lord gave me. Sounds pretty crazy, but I believe it to be true. God wants you well off. And there's nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with wealth. I'll tell you the big problem about it, though, the love of money, trusting in money, trusting in riches, trusting in wealth, being obsessed about it. And we're going to have a look at a couple of scriptures here. 
1 Timothy 6.10, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for some which have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I brought this verse up in several translations. I'll run through them pretty quick. But I just want you to notice, it doesn't say for money is a root of all evil. It says for the love of money. That's why I capitalized the love. Because that is the problem. Loving money is a problem. And that is what causes problems. NIV says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. It's a sad thing to see when someone may have heard from God about starting a business, you know, being involved with this, and it involved money making. And what used to come out of their their heart, because from the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks, used to be about God, the things of God, God's what God's been telling me, what God's been doing in my life. And then when you see them get involved in this, like business adventure, whatever it is that involves money, suddenly you don't hear of God anymore. You hear about the business. You hear about how times are in the business. You hear about money making in the business, what you have to do in the business. And suddenly God gets put out of the picture. And you see, that's what the scriptures are warning about. Some people falling in love with money and they wander away from God. Just say with me, by the grace of God, not me. This will never happen to me. So another translation of this is New Living Translation. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves. Craving money. Notice that. CEV says the love of money causes all kinds of trouble. Some people want money so much they have given up their faith and caused themselves a lot of pain. Good news translation. For the love of money is a source of all kinds of evil. Some have been so eager to have it that they have wandered away from the faith and broken their hearts with many sorrows. And finally, God's word translation, certainly the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people have set their hearts on getting rich and have wandered away from the Christian faith and have caused themselves a lot of grief. As you walk out your faith journey with the Lord and the Lord may, as you line up with his principles and his ways in his word, God will bless you. If you give, if you tithe, if you sow, God will increase you. If you steward your finances well, you will accumulate. But as you're handling the money that comes in, we must all be cautious of this. Loving money, starting to be a bit obsessed about money, thinking too much of money or things. And sometimes we must reset our hearts. And I know this is true in in my wife and I's life. There have been times where I thought too much of getting a certain thing, getting a certain part, and I realized I had to catch myself and be like, whoa, 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 I'm focusing too much on what I want here. I need to go back to God and find out what he had last told me to do. Am I doing that well? You know, what about the, the serving at youth or serving in, you know, filming different projects for Rhema or whatever it was, you know, going to the 8.30 or 10.30 as the Lord had directed us during that season. It's like, am I doing what God has told me to do? I need to reset myself. And it's very simple. I just catch myself and I say, Lord, I'm sorry. I've just gotten my eyes off you and onto something else. Forgive me. I put my eyes back on you. I trust you that you'll take care of that in your own time. 
and I'm just going to focus on your things. And thank you, Lord. When you do that, God can just fix that thing, like can give you a discount on that thing, half price. He can deal with someone to bless you with that thing. You can, you know, he can give you the finances to buy that thing at the appropriate time. It's just important to have God first. So I'm just going to skip through a few things here. But in the New Testament, there, there may be some people who are like, mm, I don't know about God wants me rich or God wants me well off, should I say. I don't know about that. Because, and they bring up the story of the rich young ruler. So I'm just going to touch on that lightly here. The rich young ruler, the story there, is found in Luke 18, Matthew 19, but also in Mark 10. We'll just have a quick look at Mark 10. Now, as Jesus was going, going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus gives a list of different commandments and the man replies saying, teacher, all these things I've kept. Then Jesus looking at him, loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Come, take the cross and follow me. But the man, he was sad at the word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? See why I said some people use this verse? Because it looks like God doesn't want you to have riches here. But then Jesus actually clarifies this statement in the next verse. It says in verse 24, and the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? Right here, Jesus had put his finger on the one thing that stood between this young, rich, young ruler's life and following God. It was his money. That is the only reason why Jesus told him to sell all that he had, because he knew this man's heart. The Bible tells us in John that Jesus knew the hearts of everyone, everyone. He knew what was in the heart of man, the scriptures say. And he knew what was in this man's heart. He knew this man cared so much about money, he could never let it go. But you see, Jesus here was offering him the greatest invitation this man would ever have in his entire existence, being able to be a part of Jesus' crusade team. Jesus had 12 disciples and this man was invited to become the 13th. And he could have if he let go of the money he was so obsessed about. And let me tell you this, if you're walking with Jesus, if you're fellowshipping with Jesus, he's not going to leave you dried up with no money, broke, struggling. I mean, the 12 disciples were well off. And in fact, the, uh, like a point to prove this is they had a treasurer. They had so much money that they needed someone to keep track of the money that was Judas. And you just think about it, I guess, in the logical perspective. Jesus is here in the flesh, and he is... Like you think of all the great ministers, men and women of God that you've ever known, and when they move in the power of God, under the anointing of God, it's so powerful, it changes lives. I mean, but this is Jesus. He's raising the dead. He's opening blind eyes. He's casting demons and healing people. And there would have been so many people so grateful for what Jesus has done in their families' lives, in their relatives' lives, that they would have just come up and just dumped money at Jesus' feet, saying, my daughter was blind, you know, but you healed her. My boy was dead and you raised him from the dead. 
please, let me give this money to you. Let me support what you're doing. This is incredible. And I'm sure they would have just given him lots and lots of money. And the scriptures tell us that what Jesus did on this earth, we only have a selected portion. If we wrote down everything that Jesus did, it would feel like the oceans with books on what Jesus did. So Jesus did so much. And we just have a sample of what he did. And what he did was incredible. So Jesus would have been well off. Also, the gold, frankincense, and myrrh given at his birth would have made him rich by like a millionaire's standard right off the right off the gate. He was just born. It wasn't three wise men. You don't find that in the scriptures. It just says wise men. So, I mean, how much gold and frankincense and myrrh did these wise men bring? I mean, to honor the king? Heaps. So here, just bringing up the point that Jesus said, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? And this is why this man could not enter the kingdom of God in his life at that time. He couldn't give it up. I want you to notice this though. Zacchaeus, the tax collector in Luke 19, Jesus entered Jericho, was passing through. A man there by the name of Zacchaeus, he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was because he was short, couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed up a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Praise God. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. And Jesus replied, no, 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 no. Not half Zacchaeus, everything to the poor. No, Jesus didn't say that. The verse continues and says, Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham for the son of man has, uh, came to seek and save the lost. Jesus did not tell this um, tax collector to give all of his money to the poor. In fact, he didn't even tell him to do it. Zacchaeus was just so moved that Jesus would take time out and spend time with him, someone that was frowned upon by society and want a fellowship with him, that he was so convicted, he's like, I just want to give half of what I have to the poor, because I probably cheated some people. But this was on Zacchaeus's end. Jesus never asked him to do it. Also, Jesus never mentioned, no, sell it all. He only said that to the rich young ruler, because the rich young ruler had his trust in riches. So Jesus is not against us having money, things, He's more concerned about our heart towards him. Final thing in the New Testament, which people may bring up, is Jesus had no place to lay his head. And without taking too much time on it, I'll just um, read out the verse. The scribe boasted, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And what Jesus is saying here is, have you counted the cost of what it's like to follow me? I am constantly on the move. I'm constantly about my father's business to the point where I don't have like a stationary place to stay. I'm always going somewhere. You see, foxes, they got their homes and same with birds, they got their nests, but not me because I'm so busy about the father's work. So have you counted the cost 
of following me. And that's what that scripture means. So it was a traveling ministry. Jesus was always on the move. And he was letting this scribe know, hey, there's a cost to following me. It's not just like, I can just follow you and it's going to be all smooth. There's going to be persecutions. There's going to be tough times. But this is another verse which is used from the New Testament. And some people say, oh, God doesn't want you well off. And it's not nice to have people be so insistent on this. I believe the devil is subtly influencing them to bring such dangerous teachings because the devil wants us all broke. Why? Because if we're broke and we're poor, we can't help anyone. We're not as effective as what we could be. It's not a sin to, to be, you know, not have as much finances, but it's hard to be a blessing when you're trying to make ends meet, if that makes sense. You see, in the Old Testament, you see a lot of wealth and riches following the righteous. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, very wealthy, wealthy men, lots of cattle, lots of herdsmen, very, very rich and well-off, and God was okay with it. Another person is Joseph. He was also very, very wealthy. Um, King Daniel as well. King David, King Solomon. In fact, with King Solomon, God came to him and said, you know, what would you like? I mean, that's, that's incredible for God to come to you and say, what would you like? He could have answered with so many things, but he wanted and he cared about God's people. He said, I want to be able to lead the people. I need wisdom to do that. My father, King David, did such a good job. He was a man after your own heart. I want to be able to lead the people well. Please give me wisdom so I can do that. And because Solomon's request was so appropriate, it was seek ye first the kingdom of God. God said wealth and riches will be added to you, even though you didn't ask, because your priorities are straight. You care about my things. So I've got no problem with you having wealth and riches. And another one is Job. Yes, Job had gotten attacked by the devil and lost all his things. But at the end, when he straightened up with God, got his heart right, God gave him twice as much. And the Bible says Job was a righteous man. You see, he was already very, very rich before it all happened, his calamity. And even after, he became even more rich. Why? Because his heart had straightened out before God. And I might just take a quick time, just because I remember sitting in the congregation and hearing of Job preached, and I was like, why, why did that happen? Why did that happen? So I'll just quickly answer that. And it's Job opened the door through fear. It says in Job 1 verse 5 that Job offered sacrifices continually because he was afraid his sons had sinned. So he was very scared that they hadn't pleased God, so he kept offering these sacrifices daily. Also, everything that happened to him, Job feared it. He was scared it was going to happen to him. To him. In fact, this comes out of his own mouth in Job 3.25. He says, For the thing I greatly feared has happened to me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. Right there out of, the, out of Job's own mouth, it was fear that allowed Satan the access, which lowered the hedge of protection. Job also got a bit snarky with God, saying, oh yeah, I wish I wasn't born and all that. And later at the end, when Job saw how foolish he was and he couldn't answer God, he said, I should have kept my mouth shut. I'm sorry, Lord. He had to also forgive his friends. And after that, that's when God restored him twice as much. God hasn't got a problem with you having money. He's got a problem if money has you because it's going to hurt you. 
Let's have a look at Psalm 35, 27. Let them shout for joy and be glad, who favor my righteous cause, and let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. God, the Father God, has pleasure in the prosperity of his kids, of those that serve him. Isaiah 1.19, it says, For if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. You can see this also in the children of Israel when they came out of Egyptian bondage, they were in the wilderness, but then God took them to the promised land where there was abundance, milk and honey, overflowing, a good land. That was God's will back then. He has not changed. God is the same yesterday, today and forever. Ephesians 3.20, now to God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that works in us. These are scriptures that confirm that God is able, but not just able, he wants to. He wants to. And there's two ways to get there, as I mentioned. There's arm of the flesh, strength of the flesh, but there's also God's way. So let's get into point number two, seeking him first. Matthew 6.33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. In order to put God first in your finances, in your money, the way you do that is with tithing. Now, I've had different people come up to me and say, oh, I don't really tithe because it's, we're not under the law. Tithing was under the law and now we're under grace. For me, I just find that very confusing because Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob weren't under the law, and yet they tithed. And they were very blessed. There was a connection. And also, why would you want to rationalize yourself out of tithing? Because you're giving to God what is his, what's rightfully his. He only asks 10%. Now, to make tithing easier for myself, this is how the Lord shown me. Because there was a time where I struggled to give 10%. The way it happened was I had a realization. Without God and the favor of God, I could not work a job. I would not be able to think straight. I would not be able to breathe. <laughs> because uh, the gravity, how about the gravity that's holding this earth together? not causing us just to fly everywhere. The Bible says all things are upheld by the word of his power. Without God, we wouldn't have breath. We wouldn't be able to stand. We wouldn't be able to think. We wouldn't be able to breathe. He gives us our next breath. That's incredible. And if you're able to humble yourself and admit that, you realize, whoa, the job that I work, the money I produce, that's like God. And because of that, the money is God's money. He's worthy of 100% of it, but he's asking 10. 10 becomes easy. You see, I, I don't care whether you work a job and you earn $5,000, but God helped you get that 5,000. It was the favor of God. It was the strength of God. If you can admit that, if it wasn't for the favor of God, none of us would have jobs. We'd all just be fired instantly. You know, people out there in the world, they would just be like, no, don't, don't want you here. Don't want you working in my business. But because of God, if you can't acknowledge that God helps you work, God helps you do your job, 
and you can honor God for that, the 10% becomes easy. 500 is nothing because you've still got 4,500 left that God allows you to have for yourself. Now, he doesn't demand tithe. It's completely free will. You have to have that realization for yourself. But you want to have that realization for yourself because it affects your finances, whether it's blessed or it's not. I think a minister had said it very well. I'd rather 10% blessed than 90% cursed of my finances he was talking about. And that's just very true because that is how you put God number one in your finances. You don't say God's number one in my finances, but I don't give him the 10%. So the tithe is the Lord's from my perspective because people tithe before the law, during the law. And I mean, we're under grace. We should be giving more than the tithe. That's why it's called tithes and offering because you got your 10%, but the offering is whatever comes from your heart. And there's times where I'll do my tithe and then I'll have on my heart, I want to give an additional X amount of dollars. And I'll just say, here, Lord, and I'll just put it in my phone and then go to pay to that church. And I'll say, Lord, this is going to your work. Thank you for giving me a job. Thank you for allowing me to work at that job. Thank you for favor. And I give this gladly to you to help your work. And I just thank you. You'll look after me in whatever time seems fit. In Jesus' name, amen. And my wife usually hears me pray and she says, amen. And we're like, yay. And then we hit send, done. You ask my wife. She's seen me tired so many times. And I've seen her hold up her phone and do the same thing. That's how we put God first. So this is the ways of, that I was mentioning. There's ways of God with finances. Tithing is one of them. But I'm going to move on to something that I really enjoy. Um, Sharing on spirit-led sowing. Mm-mm-mm. So Genesis eight twenty-two. While the earth remains, there is a spiritual law happening all the time. It's called seed time and harvest. And whatever you sow, you reap. Now that is quite broad. And I'm not saying you sow an apple, you receive an apple. I don't bother with all that stuff. I just endeavor to sow at the direction of the Lord. And if anything happens, that's a bonus. I never get mad at God, like saying, oh God, I sowed this and where's my return? I don't even, I don't want to go there. I just want to be able to give at the direction of the Lord and whatever happens next, it's a bonus if he comes through in whatever I'm believing for. So there's many things you can sow and people know about sowing um, time, uh, volunteer work, um, effort, energy, but I'm talking about sowing finances and things. I'll give some practical examples now. My wife, Eva, she's got a lot of pretty plants. The Lord blessed her with some just over the time we've been together. And she's got quite a collection. And she was talking to some young, young girls, and they love plants. And Eva just had it on her heart. I want to bless them with some. So she got some very nice ones and gave it to them. That's just one example of sowing plants. But I'm going to go into some more. (laughs) That didn't go over too well. There's some more awesome testimonies. Let's go into something really super cool. So my wife, Eva, she was in Bible college. And the lecturer that was speaking was dressed very well and looked like he had a lot of money. And the Lord deals with my wife, give him $200 cash. Now, let me put you in my wife's situation. She doesn't have much money. She's believing God to pay off her Bible college fees. And she needs that $200 because it's going to help with her Bible college fees. And she's looking at the guy 
and he's got a slick haircut, he's got fancy clothes, he's wearing cool shoes, and he's got like a Rolex-looking watch, and he's got a very fancy MacBook Pro he was typing on, and I don't know if there was something else I'm missing, but he looked well off. So as the lessons were going by, Eva was debating whether or not she should give the money. She had it prepared in an envelope, and when it came to the final lesson, she was still like, oh, I don't know if I should do this. I mean, that's a lot of money. I could use that money. And the Lord spoke to her heart and said this. We won't ever forget it. He said, I didn't ask you whether he needed the money. I told you to give, him, to, to give him the money. I didn't ask you. I told you. And I believe the only reason why Eva had such a strong word was because she was so open. You see, if you're not open, the Lord can't deal with you like this. But let me tell you the good news of what happened when Eva obeyed. She went up to him, said, I believe the Lord wanted me to give you this. Not sure what it's for, but have it and be blessed. Gave him the money. That was it. Doesn't know what it was spent for, but we're trusting it was for a good thing. Well, shortly after that, the Lord dealt with someone in the church and said, hey, do you have Bible college fees, Eva? And she was like, yeah, how much? Oh, like 2,000 remaining. I'll sort it out. The Lord dealt with me to take care of your Bible college fees. Woo! Thank you, Lord. That was, a, that was a real good one. You can give the Lord a hand clap. So the Lord here wanted Eva to sow $200 because he was setting her up for a harvest of $2,000. And God couldn't just bless Eva with $2,000 when he had no legal right to do it. He needed Eva to obey him so that then he was able to respond. Because it's seed time and harvest, you see, is a sowing, but then there's also a reaping. So that was very cool. There was another brother, I might just say his name, Andrew Dickawalla. <laughs> and um, we, we were roommates at this time, and the Lord had put on his heart to get me some Converse shoes, leather ones, which was actually something unknown to him, was something I was believing God for on the side. I used to wear leather Converse's and I was like, oh man, it sure be neat to get some, but they're 150 bucks brand new from Converse store and it just doesn't sit right with me to spend the money to get that. So I'm just going to trust God. Maybe I'll find a secondhand pair for like, I don't know, cheap, but even 70 bucks seemed like a lot. So I just left it and I left it for months. One day, Eva tells me that Andrew calls her up and says, hey, is Benny like, would he like leather converses do you know what size foot he is <laughs> and he was like yeah sure and it's like why and then Andrew was like the Lord been telling me to get Benny some shoes so I just wanted to know well anyway Andrew got those shoes and he blessed them like he, he gave them to me and said here he bought them brand new 150 bucks converse store and I still like when I see those shoes I'm like thank you Lord thank you Lord for that you didn't have to do that but check this out Andrew was blessed with bags of clothes from another brother in the church who had all these branded stylish clothes and Andy was telling me it was shoes, you had the clothes, like the, the shirts, the cool jackets he said and uh, I thought that's where it ended but today I asked him about it and he said no, two other people came with bags of clothes on top of that guy that had given his clothes. So he ended up with like three bags of branded, nice, stylish clothes. And he was believing God for like a new wardrobe. Woo! So these stories are very exciting. 
And I'll, I'll give you some more personal ones from Eva and myself. Eva had a, a car, and um, we could have sold that car and gotten money, obviously. <laughs> but we had it on our heart. Look, if the Lord wants us to give our, like, take our car keys and direct us to give it to a certain person, we could just say, look, feel like the Lord wants us to bless you with this. Heal. Take the car keys. It's yours. Paid in full. We'll sign the paperwork. It's yours. We just had that on our heart. We're like, it would be so neat to be able to hear from God and give someone a whole car. I mean, secondhand, but still. You know, we haven't sewed brand new, brand new, but man, it was cool to be able to sew that car. We found someone and the Lord put it on our heart. But check this out. We did not have to obey. We did not have to be open. And we would have totally missed what was going to happen next, which we had no idea about. We were just so happy that we could, that we heard from the Lord. We went up to the person, said, hey, this is a bit crazy, but if we were to give you our car, would that help you guys? And they were like, yeah, oh, that'd be so incredible. Are you sure? You know, have you prayed about it? And we're like, yeah, yeah, it seems really right. You know, please take it. So we, we, we did that. We dropped the keys in their hands, signed the paperwork. It was theirs. And I remember just days after we had sewn it, we were like just going back and forth with each other. That car suits them so well. Like for this current season, they're going to get, you know, as we all do, we move up in different levels. But at this time, it just suited their situation so well. And we were just so blessed to be able to hear from God and be a blessing like that. We could have kept the money for ourselves, but we heard from God and we sowed it. And that was enough for us. Let me tell you, that was already enough. But with God, he got that harvest coming. And this was incredible. To this date, I don't think something like this has really happened. But God gave a man a dream. And in the dream, he saw himself go up to Eve and I and say, are you believing God for a new car? And we did have our eyes on a particular car, but it didn't sit right for us to get it. So we were just holding off saying, God will take care of us. Maybe he'll give us a good deal on it. And uh, in the dream, he saw himself say, are you believing God for a new car? He saw in his dream us say, yeah, we are. In the dream, he saw himself say, I think I'm meant to help you with that. So he, tell, he wakes up from the dream, tells his wife. His wife goes, I think you need to talk to Benny and Eva. He comes up to us and says, hey, are you believing God for a new car? We say, yeah, we are. Why is that? And then he said, I believe I'm meant to help you with that. What sort of car are you looking for? We showed him the car and he paid for it in full. Boom, just like that. Woo! This would not have happened if me and Eva did not trust God when he directed us to sow. We could have said, no, 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 we want to keep that. That's a wild idea. If we give that car, we're going to have less money. You know, we need that money for our next car to replace it, you know. So, but because we have been able to do this on smaller scale things, plants, furniture, um, food, takeaway, you know, just pay for people's meals, go out to eat with people and say, hey, it's all good, we got this, and just pay. And they say, are you sure? Yeah, be blessed of the Lord. We had it on our heart. And they go, thank you, Lord, that's so nice. Thanks, guys. So because we had been doing that, it built up, and we still have that mentality. So that's a few neat testimonies of sowing at the direction of the Lord, though you don't have to, but if you hear from God and you sow, the joy that comes from it is already enough to make you want to shout. 
just to be able to sit back with your spouse, if you're single, just yourself, and be like, thank you, Lord. You told me to give that to them. I heard you. I, I checked it out. It was you, and they're blessed. And I know you'll take care of me later. So finally, three steps in spirit-led sowing. You hear from God, and then you sow. So I don't want people to have the mentality of, oh man, I need to go out there and start sowing some things. You can't do it apart from God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You can't have faith to sow until you've heard God deal with you. I want you to give. You can't just make it up. I can't just say, look, I want to give my keys to this person. I want to do this for that person. You have to hear from God. So that's the first step, hearing from God. Second thing is you test it, whether it is God. What do I mean by that? Well, if I'm not too sure, if I'm hearing God right about giving, say, my brother here shoes or money to buy shoes or money to buy, I don't know, new outfit or whatever it is, I go up to him and I just ask him a couple questions. Hey, bro, like, you know, what sort of size shoe are you? Are you looking for some new shoes? What do you think of these shoes? And based off what he tells me, I'll get a better read whether this is God or whether I just got excited. So the third thing is when you do hear from God and you have confirmation that, yeah, this is probably God, you give and you give cheerfully, not reluctantly, for God loves a cheerful giver. You just thank God when you hear him right. And Acts 20, 35 says, and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. This is a final step, step four. It's um, an extra thing, and it's more to do with guarding our heart. We must be able to trust God with our things or things we're believing for. So as I was talking about, not getting mad about, not getting mad at God, saying, oh God, I've given and where's mine? Never want to get there. It's just better to have a clear heart before God and never to ever get mad at him. If the thing you're believing for isn't healed, I generally go back to Matthew 6.33. Am I seeking first this kingdom? Am I doing all that he's told me to this season? And I've got to stick with that and trust in his time he'll bring that thing around for me. Two scriptures for this. Galatians 6, 9 to 10. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Hebrews 6.12, that you do not become sluggish or lazy, but imitate those who through faith and patience, so being patient, inherit the promises. So with all that in mind, going into 2022, going into the future, I have no doubt that God will set up Um, situations where you're able to sow into this one and that one and when you get that do it cheerfully do it with a gladful with a grateful heart thank God after that you've heard from him that you've been able to be a blessing and know that God will take care of you and your needs but if you're open to this God will be able to give you more and more opportunities my wife and I were inspired by um, a lady in the Bible, in Second Kings, you can read about it, but she looked after the man of God. The man of God had come through, and she said to the husband, I know this is a holy man of God. We need to 
make him a special place where when he passes through, he can have, you know, something to eat, some place to stay. And she built a special room for him to take care of him as he traveled through. And the Lord looked after and blessed this woman because she was hospitable to the Lord's messenger. And me and Eva had it in our heart. It would be awesome to be able to have our own place so that we can host people at the direction of the Lord. That if a man or woman of God were to come along, we can say, hey, we got a place for you. So this is vision that I'm just speaking forth, just to be able to think bigger, think beyond the four walls. Believe that God will make you well off so that you can look after his. You can give things without things having a hold of you. You're ready. You're ready to give. You're ready to be a blessing. And it's just such an enriching way to live. Put God first by giving your tithes, offerings additional if need be, but always be open to hear the voice of God, to be able to sow cheerfully and know that God can bring about great breakthrough to you in your life. God does not play favorites. What he's done for us, he'll do for you. The question is, will you do what he tells you to do when he tells you to do it? But if you do, you will walk in that abundant place, that blessed place, that protected place. And it doesn't matter how dark the world gets, God will take care of you if you trust him. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Father God, just thank you so much for this time we've been able to share together. Thank you so much for your word and your ways and your genius. You are so smart. And we thank you and we as a congregation ask you to be able to give us opportunities where we can sow, opportunities that may set us up in a big way in 2022, 2023 and going forward, that you would bring these opportunities to us because we have a heart to be able to be used by you, to be a channel for you to flow through. In Jesus' name, amen. If there's anyone here today and you do not know God, it's very simple to know God. It's through His Son, Jesus. Jesus has made a way to the Father God by coming to this earth and taking His your sin upon Himself and dying in your place. He did not deserve to die. He was an innocent man. But He came to earth to do that so that he could make a way for us to have relationship with the Father God. And if you want to know the Father God, as I've been speaking on today, you want to have that protection, that favor, those God setups where God can bless you beyond what you could ever ask or think. It's very simple to have a relationship with God. You must accept Jesus as Lord and Savior in your life. So if all heads bowed and eyes closed, just to respect the privacy of the one next to you. We're just going to pray out a simple prayer. But mean it from your heart if you want to have a relationship with the Father God. Say after me, Father God, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that He died on the cross, was buried for three days, and God raised Him from the dead. Jesus, I acknowledge I cannot save myself 
I cannot clean myself of my sins. And I thank you that you did that for me. You have made me clean by your sacrifice. And Jesus, right now, I call you Lord of my life. Come into my life. Lead and direct me. Help me be able to walk out this journey with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And if that is the first time you have said that prayer, that is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make in your life. But your journey is new and there is help on the way. The number one thing would probably be to get to a local church every Sunday, get yourself under some good teaching from the Word of God. It doesn't have to be this place, just any church that preaches the Word of God and when you hear it, it will build you up, it will lift you up. If it's making you feel bad, it's not the right place, find another place. But that is so important. And here, if you have decided, maybe Rhema is that place, the website should be on the screen, www.rhema.org.au. And there's a next steps option for that. Well, thank you. Thank you all for having me. And um, God bless you. Looking forward to 2022 and going forward. The Lord's going to do some supernatural things. And I'm very glad that that sermon was able to come out because he put it on my heart. He said, I'm setting up big breakthroughs for my people going forward and they do not have to be in fear. Trust me, obey me and watch me take care of it is what he says. Praise God. If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.